This is a podcast where you don't have to be perfect. You can be happy. Make your day count. Encouraging, uplifting, full of joy. You're worth more than you think. This is Entirely Unconventional, and I'm Lindsay Roberts. I pray for something miraculous to happen to you today. Hi, everybody. Lindsay Roberts here with Entirely Unconventional. And have I got a story to tell you. I want to talk to you today about being healthy, wealthy, and wise. So Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray this podcast is a blessing. I pray it makes sense. I pray people are blessed by it and they understand that you are a good God, well able to do exceedingly abundantly far above anything we dare ask or think. In Jesus' name, amen. So for some weird reason, I started looking up the phrase healthy, wealthy, and wise. And it's really weird because people just don't seem to agree about it. They tried to give it credit to like Benjamin Franklin, 1732, and they called it like the poor farmer's almanac or the poor man's almanac or something like that. 1732, Benjamin Franklin. You know, he uh, when you early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. So I was like sort of satisfied with that. I thought, okay, that sounds good. But then the next part said, no, no, it was published by a man named John Clerk. You are hearing my phone go off. So while we're talking about John Clerk, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my phone on silent. Yes, I've always got my phone somewhere around me, but unfortunately I forgot to put it on silent. So now it's on silent. So we're going to talk again, healthy, wealthy, and wise. So they gave that credit to Benjamin Franklin, but the story I was reading, and this is really, I believe, going to lead up to what God wants for us. Then they said 1639, John Clerk, and then they disputed it and said, no, it was 1532 in a book of husbandry. Okay, that was funny, uh, by a man named uh, Anthony Fitz, I think you you pronounce it Fitzerberg. And then it goes back even further. Get this, 1496, holy, healthy, and zelly, Z-E-L-Y, which actually means happy. So holy, happy, healthy, and wise, let him early rise. Holy, happy, healthy, wise, let him early rise. Now, when we were looking at that, it was so funny because I thought this thing goes all the way back to the 1400s, and now we're in, what, 2023. So you talk about almost 600 years ago, How do old sayings get to be old sayings? Because they last the test of time. But I want you to look very carefully at the words. And of course, they're calling them Proverbs. Ha, ha, ha. Let's keep that one in mind. But it's holy, happy. Zeli means happy, healthy, and wise. I had this thing where the Lord talked to me about getting up early. You know, that early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I was saying, Lord, why do you want me to get up early? And I I, I one time said to the Lord, Lord, if I get up any earlier, because I used to like get up in the five o'clock range. If I get up any earlier, I feel like I'm going backwards. I feel like I might as well just start yesterday. But the Lord was impressing me that before the day gets started, set the day in motion. Get up early. And don't just get up early because you're getting up early to say you got up early. But get up early to set the day in motion. And just like this guy said um, in 1496, holy, healthy, happy, and wise. 
I want to read you something that to me goes along with that. When you look at Proverbs 18, 20, a man's gifts will make room for him and put him before great men. Gifts actually translates presents. Well, how can you give something if you haven't got anything to give? If you look at Genesis 12, 2, I will bless you. Here we go. And make you a blessing. Make you a blessing means empowerment to prosper. If you get up in the morning and you make the decision, say, good Lord, it's morning or good morning, Lord. There's a whole lot of difference in those words. Good Lord, it's morning or good morning, Lord. The difference is I believe your attitude. And to me, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. If you're negative, if you just don't believe, if every word that's proceeding out of your mouth is negative, there's a scripture in 3rd John 2 that says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Look at the word even as. It's a direct proportional relationship. Prosper and be in health are directly proportionally related to even as your soul prospers. If your soul is down, where do you think prosper and be in health will be? If your soul is up, your mind, your will, your emotions, renewing your mind daily with the word of God, where do you think prosper and be in health are going to be? It's sort of like intricately tying a string from one side, prosper and be in health, and tie that string to the other side as your soul prospers. So as your soul goes up and the string is attached, prosper and be in health goes up. As your soul is plummeting, and that, and that tie is tied, that string is tied, prosper and be in health are plummeting. So I want to keep you from that plummeting and show you something that I believe works in the word of God. Genesis 12, 2, I'll bless you and make, make you a blessing. Remember, Jesus said to Peter, I'll make you a fisher of men. It's the making power of God. It's sort of like the constructive power of God. I will bless you. And once I bless you with the empowerment to prosper, I want you to become a blessing. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Amplified. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Amplified. And God, who is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance so that you will always be under all circumstances and whether the, the need is for yourself, self-sufficient, whatever the provision is needed, possessing enough, requiring no aid or support. See, what I did was I took 2 Corinthians 9, 8 in the Amplified and I tore apart each word. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough, this is amplified, to require no aid or support in furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. How much better can it get than that? I want to bless you and I want to make all grace abound to you every favor and earthly blessing. So here's my question today. We can go back to 1496 and look at a guy that said such a remarkable saying about early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, and holy, healthy, zelly, happy and healthy, happy, wise, and let him early rise. Okay, we can say how really... Um, melodic that is. Or we can say all the way to Benjamin Franklin, 1732, published in 1639, then another one published in 1532, but it's 
he who goes to bed early gets up healthy, wealthy, and wise. Early to bed, early to rise makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. That has stood the test for hundreds of years. Hundreds and hundreds of years. At least 500 years it stood the test. Why? Because something in it had value. Well, then how come we can't go back and look at Genesis 12 too? I'll bless you and make you a blessing. If somebody believed early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, so much so that they published it and republished it and Benjamin Franklin published it. And now in 2023, Lindsay Roberts is still saying the saying because it had some kind of empowerment in it that made sense to a lot of people to continue the saying. How much more? If we can believe somebody's saying in names I can barely produce and words like Zelly that we don't even say anymore, how much more can I sit down and believe Genesis 12 too, when my father God, through the divine word of God, divinely inspired power of God, who sent his son Jesus to the cross for my salvation, how come I have not fully engaged, I will bless you and make you a blessing. Or 2 Corinthians 9, 8 amplified. And God is able, God, my divine creator is is means it's going to happen. Able means he absolutely can do it to make all grace, not some grace, not a little grace, but all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Oh man, that is such a word. You got to look that one up so that you may always, and under all circumstances, always and all, I don't like to use those words because you know, it's not like I'm happy all the time or I'm sad all the time. Always and all are very strong, engaging words that are almost like absolutes. So that you, that means us, have favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, in all circumstances, and whatever the need be, be self-sufficient, possessing enough, requiring no aid or support, Furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Now let's jump to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's look at it amplified. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Wow. Who empowers me. I am ready for anything and to anything. Through him... Who, is, who infuses inner strength to me. I am self-sufficient. There we go, right back to 2 Corinthians. In Christ's sufficiencies. Wow. Now, we may run around, I gotta get a better job. Oh, if I don't get a better boss. Oh, when is God gonna do this? Jesus, where are you? Oh, well, he's already been to the cross. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. If anybody questions that, get out the Bible. You can tell his location. You can get his coordinates. You can tell his GPS. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father in heavenly places. And he said that we can be seated with him. God, when are you going to do something? Oh, wait a minute. He's already done it. He's given you the empowerment to prosper already back to the book of Genesis, 12th chapter, second verse. Then let's jump all the way back to 2 Kings 10th chapter, 2 Kings 
10th chapter. I'm not going to qualify the verse because I happen to believe that all of 2 Kings 10th chapter, in fact, all of 2 Kings, but let's start at 10th chapter, is so valuable to us today because it's the story of the Queen of Sheba who seemingly had everything. In fact, she was so wealthy that when she wanted to find out what was Solomon's secret to his success, why was he happy, wealthy, and wise? Why was he all of those things? Why was he healthy, wealthy, and wise? And when she wanted to find the secret of his success, the Bible goes back to Proverbs 18, 12. A person's gifts will make room for him. It means presence. She loaded up camels with gold and silver, and it said spices and all this stuff. Uh, Raymond is clothing. She loaded up, it's sort of like she loaded up an entire wardrobe, like she loaded up an entire shopping center full of stuff filled with the best of the best, went to the stores, found the best clothes, found the best spices, found the best valuables, found the best jewelry, gold, whatever it was, loaded them on camels and said, I'm going to Solomon, but I'm not going empty-handed. I have a friend who writes etiquette books, and the fact that she and I are friends is kind of a little anomaly in itself. It's kind of a big fat joke, actually. It's kind of cute because she is like the most proper human being on earth, and I'm lucky if I get proper out the doorway. But she is such a living doll that she calls me on a regular basis and says, let's, she wants to do this. I'm not kidding. Let's do a book together about proper things in faux pas. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. And I said, guess which one I'll be. And we laugh about it, but there's a value to it. And one of the things she is like huge on and has taught my kids huge on is if you go somewhere, you always take a hostess gift. And your gift, as she always says, will make room for you. You don't go places empty-handed. You're not trying to buy off the hostess. You're trying to say thank you for the hostess generosity for hosting you. Well, let me tell you, this woman, the Queen of Sheba, took a hostess gift. She took camels loaded with hostess gifts all the way to her host, Solomon, because she wasn't going to ask him for something without bringing something. I have known so many people in my lifetime that are takers, but want givers to give to them. They want to take, but they want a giver to give. They never want to give. They just want to take. Those are the kind of people that I, I can't avoid completely, but I make a conscious effort to deal with it the best I can and to see if I possibly can avoid it. Because they always want me to be the giver and them to be the taker. And I look at that on the scale of business. I look at it on the scale of justice. The Bible says God hates injustice. You know, when you look at the scales of justice, it's the lady with the blindfold wrapped around her, her eyes and she's just got... Uh, like scales on both sides, and the scales of justice have to balance in order to be equal. That equal creates justice where everybody wins in a sense. Everybody's equal in a sense. And it's really actually a cool story of how that came to being. So Sheba wanted something. The queen of Sheba wanted something. But she wasn't going to walk in empty-handed and say, I'm going to be a taker. I'm not a giver. But she was a giver and her gifts made provision for her. It made room for her and put her before a great man by the name of Solomon. And she asked him how everything worked. And one of the scriptures says she was so overwhelmed with all that he had. It says the breath came out of her. The spirit came out of her. One translation says she fainted. When she saw all that Solomon, a human being, was able to accomplish, she fainted. 
Now, here she is, the queen of Sheba. She's the queen of a country, able to literally take everything from the best stores in town, haul them all to him in camels, I mean, loaded down with stuff. And when she saw his stuff, she fainted. Why? Solomon went on to teach the blessing of God. Solomon went on to be what the Bible talks about as the wisest man, you know, up to that point in the Bible. So if he was like the wealthiest, wisest man, what was his secret? She wanted to know his secret. And his secret was giving glory and praise to God. He listened to God's word. He believed God's word. He acted on God's word. His base of information was not artificial intelligence. His base of information was not a computer, although I use a computer. His base of information was not his cell phone, although as you heard earlier in this program, my cell phone went off and my alarms keep me going. But his base of information was his relationship with God, and that's what he based his healthy, wealthy, healthy, wealthy, and wise on. If Solomon can become the wisest, richest man on the planet recorded at that time, why can't we believe God to be God? Did something happen between King Solomon and all of his kingdom and 2023? Did God fall off the throne? Did he like fall and bump his head and not remember to bless us? Did Jesus suddenly need to go back to the cross? Did God suddenly not raise him from the dead? Did something happen from Genesis to Exodus in all 66 books of the Bible that created some dysfunction in the family of God where the works of God, the writings of Solomon, the blessings of Abraham, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, Philippians 4, 13, Genesis 12, 2, and 2 Kings 10 no longer have value. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God shall never pass away. And I don't believe that it has changed one bit. Now, we have changed. Generations have changed. Verbs have changed. Uh, writings have changed. Languages have changed. But the Bible, as God says, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the Lord. I change not. So what has happened between Solomon believing God to be the wisest, richest guy on earth, and it was okay to prosper, and it was okay to have stuff, and it was okay to have gold and silver, and it was okay to rule and reign, and it was okay to believe God, to 2023, when somehow the world, W-O-R-L-D, has negated the word W-O-R-D, and suddenly what we're supposed to be like the tail and not the head, you see, the Bible says we're supposed to be above and not beneath, the head and not the tail. But now what, what changed when the clock changed to 2023 and suddenly, as a Christian, we're not supposed to be the head and not the tail. We're not supposed to be above and not beneath. We're not supposed to subdue the gold and the silver and the earth that God gave to us and told us to take dominion. I, he said, I put, I, I put the gold and silver in the earth and commanded. Wow, look at that one his people to prosper. How suddenly is prosper like a bad Christian slang word or dirty word or like, what's a good word? What's a good way to say it? Like some Christian cool verbiage, but it really doesn't mean anything. Truth be told, prosper and be in health is still in the Bible. It still means for God to empower us 
and bless you and make you a blessing, empower you to prosper is still in Genesis 12 too. What has changed? It's the story of a guy sitting next to his girlfriend, driving a car, and when they're first dating, she slides over and sits real close to him, and he puts his arm around her, and it's so cute to see him sitting right next to her and her right next to him, and it's all that goo-goo stuff of, you know, I'm new dating. They get married. They have six kids, five kids, four kids, no kids, whatever. And suddenly, she gets in on her side, and he gets in on his side. And she turns to him and said, how come after all these years, you don't sit next to me anymore? And he said, let's look at this. I haven't moved. Now, I'm not trying to be sarcastic of men and women, and it's all the women's fault. I'm not saying that. But truth be told, if God is the driver's seat, and suddenly when we're first a Christian and we're all, you know, kind of snuggled up to God and we believe him and we trust him, we take him at his word, we pray and we expect a miracle. We expect him to honor his word, all cuddled up next to him. And through the years, you know, we get a little further away, a little further away, and suddenly we're on the other side of the spectrum, so to speak. And the truth be told is God hasn't moved. God hasn't changed. God's word hasn't changed. Have we let, as the Bible says, The traditions of man make the word of God to no effect. Is that possible? Have we let the traditions of mankind, the ways of the world, the way things have evolved, the way things have changed, listening to things so that we're correct and do all this stuff to make the word of God to no effect? I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you about me. I have decided to stick with the Bible. Genesis 12, 2 still says, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 still says, God is able to make all grace, favor, and earthly blessing come to me. Philippians 4, 13 still gives me the strength to do all things through Christ who gives me that strength. Genesis 12, 2 still, 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 as I said a minute ago, says, I'll bless you. It's still there. Now, have we moved? And if so, how far away have we gotten? I want to encourage you to get in the Word of God. It may be rainy out. In uh, in Tulsa, we've had, this is where I'm from, Tulsa, Oklahoma, we've had some really major thunderstorms lately and a lot of tornado watches and warnings and stuff like that. But just because the weather changed doesn't mean the Bible does. Just because the sunlight changes doesn't mean the Bible does. I mean sunlight, whether it's a sunny day or a rainy day. Just because my shoe size changes doesn't mean the Bible does. Yes, my, my shoe size has actually changed. Just because this or that changes doesn't mean the word of God changes. Shall these unusual traditions of man and all of our technology and all of our input and all of our information superhighway, does it for any reason make the word of God to no effect? If that's the case, and you have maybe been slighted in your thinking and believing where you suddenly don't give God quite as much attention. Maybe you've slighted God, not your thinking, but you've slighted his position in your life or, you know, good night. I'm so busy. I'm just so busy. Oh, I bet God's busy too. Have we let the traditions of God make the word of God to no effect? Right now, I pray for you.
I pray for you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. I pray for you to believe that God will bless you and make you a blessing. I pray for you to believe that God is still able, when you believe and stretch out your faith, that all grace and favor comes to you. I pray for you to believe that God can give you strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I pray for you to believe that God will bless you in exceedingly abundantly far above anything you could ever ask or think. I pray for you suddenly to have a, a in a sense, spiritually, like a, like a, a knowing that you know that you know that you know that God is still God and you get back into the word of God. And you know something, I'm going to say it my way. I pray that you crave the word of God like I do. That may sound weird. I can crave chocolate. I can crave, crave oh, cheese. Oh my goodness, don't get me started there. But I need to crave the word of God in order to set my morning. Early to bed, early to rise. I love that as just my personality. But the healthy, wealthy, and wise part, I like the one in 1496 that says, holy, healthy, and wise. I believe that when I do it God's way, no matter what man tries to say or do, God is still in charge. And I pray that for you right now from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. I want to read you some of the questions I get. Sometimes they, um, they prompt me to do certain things. They prompt me to do certain subjects. This one says I'm a big dreamer. However, my dreams are often bigger than my bank account. Well, I didn't write this, but my husband and I had this, uh, this very conversation last night. He was out of town a while ago, and he was speaking again to the pastor that he had just gone and, and preached for. And they were having this conversation. Then he hangs up the phone and he called me. And he said, Lindsay, I got to tell you something. You and this pastor's wife remind me so much of each other. You've got to call her more often. I'm like, okie dokie. And he said, no, I'm serious. She is one of the biggest dreamers I've ever seen. And her dreams may take time, but they come to pass. And he didn't mean like dreams and visions like prophetic, which I'm all for that, obviously. But, but he was saying the Lord gives her creative ideas. Uh, Oral and I used to call it ICI, insights, concepts, and ins uh, insight, concept, ICI. Oh my gosh, can't even remember it. I'll think of it in a minute. Ideas, concepts, and insights. I knew I'd get it. Ideas, concepts, and insight. And we joke about Oral having more ideas, concepts, and insight. And we would make a joke. Who had more that day, him or me? And it was sort of like a real funny kind of a joke. But truth be told, he's saying, he or she, whoever wrote this, I'm a big dreamer. However, my dreams are often bigger than my bank account. Well, praise the Lord for that one. When do you just go for it and trust that God will provide? I will never get into presumption. I don't like jumping off the deep end of something that I'm not sure. I have this saying, what God orders, he pays for, that God may have ordered it, but I have to know that God's going to make provision because I am not going to be that person that was so presumptuous that, oh, if God, well, maybe I, well, maybe we met, uh-uh. But I do believe this. I believe we can pray. I believe that we are to be big dreamers. I believe we are supposed to be visionaries. I believe we are to expect a miracle in the financial realm because of this reason. For me, when I sow, now there's a key right there. I don't expect pennies to drop from heaven, although if they do, I'm going to be the first one out there with a bucket. But I expect my seed to grow and multiply into that exceedingly abundantly far above anything I dare ask or think. Why? Because God said, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. But 
much of the blessing of Abraham that I'm talking about goes back to Abraham when he was Abram in the Bible. He was a worship. He wasn't a God worshiper. He didn't have Genesis to work with. In fact, the people around him are what we would call pagan worshipers. And he didn't have that instruction, but he got divine revelation that God was the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth, and the one who delivers him from his enemies. When Abram got that divine revelation through a conversation with, uh, with God, literally, when that began to happen, and we're talking about the king of Salem, the Bible calls king of Salem, priest of Salem. When he was having that conversation, think of the king of Salem. Just think about that. Jesus was the king of Salem means peace. So the king of peace was having a conversation with Abram. And who is Jesus? The prince of peace. The prince's father is who? The king. Ha, figure that one out. Go play with that one for a minute. But what happened? immediately the Bible says he gave tithe of all. He didn't know what tithing was. Most people who worship, you know, multiple unknown gods who are not believers don't think of tithing to God. But Abram immediately tithed. God said, I'll bless you. And we talk so much about the blessing of Abraham. Why was he blessed? Personally, the way I study the Bible is he tithed. He was a giver, not a taker. If you have big dreams, if you have big, uh, big ideas, tithe, tithe your thinking, tithe your time, tithe your money, tithe your attitude, tithe the revelation God gives you, tithe into somebody else, tithe into a church, tithe into somewhere where you're giving God an opportunity to take that as seed. The Bible says he provides seed to the sower and bread to the eater because he said, when you give, you receive. What you sow, you reap. So I believe as God gives us ideas, tithe into it. Tithe into it some way. Tithe into a company, maybe like being a volunteer of a company that perhaps you want something similar. Think of a way, pray for a way for God to show you how to be a tither, how to be a giver. You know, they talk about giving forward. Well, how can you give forward if you don't give anything? You can't give forward if you don't give. Part of giving forward, let's figure that out, is give. You can give something like money. You can give something different than money. The point is be obedient to what God tells you to give. And I believe in that God blesses you with provision. This person said, I have a tendency to be impatient. Well, welcome to my world. My husband jokingly says, if patience is a virtue, Lindsay's virtueless. Now he's joking, but not really. <laughs> How do I keep a good attitude when I'm not yet prospering like I know God wants me to? So, you know, the Bible talks about seed time and harvest. But let's give you the Lindsay version of that. Seed takes time before the harvest. When I plant a garden, I have planted strawberries. I planted tomatoes. I even used to plant potatoes with my grandfather, corn. We, we grew all kinds of things. We had an apple orchard. We had all kinds of stuff. My grandfather loved to grow things, and I adored him for it, and he taught me well. But the truth was, when we planted potatoes, you didn't dig them up 30 seconds later. When we planted tomato seeds, you didn't dig it right up. It was seed time and harvest time. But in between seed time and harvest time was time. Seed took time before the harvest. 
During that time, I'll tell you what I personally believe more than anything else in the entire world. It would be easy to curse your seed with your words. Oh, this will never grow. Oh, I'm so tired of this. Oh, it, this is probably never going to happen. Well, let me tell I thought I turned that rascal off. I'm telling you, according to the Bible, we have to believe even though we've not yet seen. Faith is the substance of things you are hoping for, even though you've not had evidence to see it yet. Faith is the substance of things you're hoping for, even though there's no evidence yet seen. That's the book of Hebrews 11th chapter. You give God your seed. You give him your faith. You give him your praise. You give him your worship. And you continue in that atmosphere. And I believe according to the Bible, not according to me, I don't know that much, but according to the Bible, once you planted seed, God will take his perfect time to everything. There is a season. That's what the Bible says. And then I believe the harvest comes. So I want to encourage you. Don't be weary in your well-doing. You reap in due season if you don't quit. So hang in there. Stay with it. And I want to encourage you with this last thing. I believe, remember this, I believe you're worth more than you think. Bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. To connect with Lindsay on social media, follow her on Instagram at Lindsay Roberts Official. To get a copy of Lindsay's brand new book, Discover Your True Worth, simply search Discover Your True Worth on Amazon.com. We'll see you next week.